I'm Mark Stedman, excused from games because I have a hurty finger. I'm John Bands and I'm having terrible trouble with my vast. <laughs> I'm Danny Smith and I once represented my school in badminton. I'm John Hickman and I didn't plan this, Danny, but I've never successfully hit a shuttlecock. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the leopard. From the outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, the appendix. We tried to stay away, but our headphones were looking sad and our mics uh, got brewer's droop. So uh, we thought we'd clamber back onto the horse and see if we can flog it back to life. Um, you know how in Atlases, there's a, like a couple of blank pages for you to fill in the bits of the world that you've discovered? Um, well, yeah, that's relatable, right? Uh, well, we're sort of doing that, but for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, as in we're adding some new entries to the guide to keep it up to date. Yep, that feels like a premise. This is good content. Right, so this month we are doing sport. As Vivian Stanchel puts it, it's an odd boy who doesn't like sport. Lads, why are we doing sport? It's back. Sport's back. Yeah, sport's <laughs> back. Sport's back's been away. It's like a it's a rapper. It's when rappers go to raplins and then they come back. And we're doing it because it's John's birthday and he gets to do what he wants on his birthday. No one ever... I never got to do... I guess I have my own podcast, so I can't really... <laughs> Such a man in charge of everything. I never get what I want. <laughs> get on the microphone at 8 o'clock. <laughs> we started at 20 past 8. Sorry. I did, I did pick I did pick the topic, but m- uh, much to my own detriment then, when I realised that it was far too wide a topic and couldn't think of anything. So... Um, <laughs> All of you guys that don't, re- some of you guys that don't really care for the old sports probably found it quite easy. But there's so much of the sport to choose from. Oh, don't you worry about that, John. We all we all struggle, mate. <laughs> you can see the sport for the trees, can you, John? Well, to be perfectly honest, I, I did a stupid thing there because I said sport. And sport means different things to different people. But to me, sport means if it to be a sport, the pastime or game has to involve uh, an opportunity where there are equal numbers of people who can all score at the same time. So cricket doesn't count because only one team can score at once or baseball. Um, You can't have it where there isn't a ball. The ball's got to be round. So, so like a, a, a rugby ball, does that not count? No, absolutely not. No, because you can pick it up. Right. So, Didn't know you were such a big basketball fan, John. I also want to put some sort of rule in about how high the scoring gets before it looks silly. <laughs> so um, I genu- I really only think that, um, I don't know, football's Gaelic and association, um, hockey, hurling, mm. and, maybe, and maybe sort of are uh, sports and everything else is simply a game or pastime. I've got my answer to this. Um, is running a sport? No. The the runners, the run runner Hickman. Hello. Is running a sport? I'm, well, I'm not competitive at it, but then again, I'm not competitive at football, so I'm not sure now what the metric is for this. You're not competitive at football, so when you play football, you just well, no. What's the mean? Around the middle and, and wave at people. What I mean is, as I think I've mentioned before, I I'm I'm. I'm eligible as a Guernseyman to play for any of the home nations, and none of them have called yet, Danny. So, Guernseyman. Mm. <laughs> Is that real? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Mark just> goes, <laughs> We've been back for three minutes, and you're doing a bad racism on me. So I'm, I'm going to cancel myself. Please do. Channel Islands matter, as they say. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! No. But I, I, I think that's interesting. So uh, so running is is a, a fitness pursuit and a pastime. Um, and an a way to get away from a leopard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but is it, yeah, is it a game? I, I mean, I would say no. Football's not a game. It's more important. I'd, I'd say a lot of sports involve running, but mm-hmm. it's the, I think saying running is a sport is like saying accuracy is a sport. So Danny and I are not, I mean, Danny's probably more sport than I am. Um, and so I, I sort of want to know what sports Danny enjoys. Now, we know that you have had a successful um, shuttlecock-based career. Uh, and I'd like to know more about your, your, uh, your badminton, please. Um, it was because I was the only boy. I, I showed halfway competency to do it. And then the sports teacher said, look, we've got some games coming up. There's a girls team. Do you want to do you want to do it? And I was like, ah. I've... and I kind of angled it. So I got the use of the sports center, like okay. um, during breaks and stuff. So essentially it was just a way of like hanging out indoors without having to, you know, walk around the playground. 
Um, but Ed, finally, I, I ended up having to uh, once play at a uh, badminton game against the local Shenley Court School, uh, on which I, I won, by the way. Hey, weren't they quite posh boys? Shenley Court? No, fuck no. No, no, uh, no, no, no. I think it was something else. And I also taught archery. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a slacker. Nice, it. nice game. Not a sport, though, is oh, it? Yeah. time. It's a sport. It's a game. A test of skill. Mm. And I've recently started running, which we've established isn't a sport. <laughs> <laughs> Why is chasing you, mate? I'm doing the I'm doing that um couch to five K thing with the app um on the BBC app. Some of some of us are still on the couch level. And you get to you get to choose who gives you the encouragement. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've got the lovely Sarah Milliken. Go on, Pet, you can really do it. Now all you've got to do, like, is just put one foot in front of the other and you're gonna run so well. I'm so proud of you, you did so. It is and it's nice, but they need options where you can choose people that it's okay to hate. Mm-hmm. Every, every so often, it's over your music, and every so often she's like, are you ready, love? <laughs> it's time to start running now. You've been walking for a minute and a half. It's literally, time to- literally that. <laughs> And and it's like every time, every time, she, every time she's like, "Are you already love?" I'm like, "Fucking no!" I audibly out loud, like, "No!" So last night I was uh, I was out running. I, I run late at night uh, because you know, so no one can see me. It's about one in the morning, and um, she goes, "Are you ready, love?" And I'm out of breath, and I'm like, "Fucking no!" <laughs> and I realise that behind me are two people, <laughs> like really weird, dodgy looking people. <laughs> That I managed to scare off, mm-hmm. and I'm and like I start running because Sarah Millican told me to start running, and I'm running off thinking, no, I'm not the weird one. You're the weird one. I'm not the weird one. That's a that's yeah, a. Well, if if you ever got stopped and searched, because I mean you are white, so but it could happen um, because you were running. The police would be have a little bit of suspicion. You say, why am I running? Because Sarah Millican told me to, mm-hmm. and um, that's why we need qualified mental health. Um, First responders, Danny. When you finish the catch to five k, you might enjoy Zombies Run. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That I have heard of that. And um, does that kick in over music as well? Because I've got to have music. Yeah, yeah, it does. Danny, you run to the Rocky theme tune, don't you? <laughs> over and over and over again. It's amongst the songs. One of them is Slayer, uh, which unfortunately, because it's so fast, mm. you find that you're matching the pace. Yes, and like Slayer, Raining Blood comes on, and I'm fucking pounding this and I, like realized that i haven't done any physical exercise for over six months and mm-hmm. um that's a poor excuse to go to hospital because slayer came on and sarah Millican <laughs> told you to run faster i mean this is a lovely stuff but a huge digression from the topic of sport <laughs> well, listen um i think i think that is quite enough um, improvised banter um so now let's do some pre-prepared content um danny you, you've submitted an entry to kick us off. Um, so um, say some words about that, please. Um, okay, so uh, I struggled um, a little bit with um, the concept of sport. I, I was thinking about doing an, 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 an allegory, an allegory, an allegory, an allegory. It's one of those difficult words that begins with an and has an an in it. And that's, See, it's like it's like banana. You, you, it's, it's starting's easy. It's knowing when to stop. And an an allegory. Yeah, uh, I was going to do a metaphor, <laughs> uh, but I couldn't make it land because I know less than fuck all about sports, if I'm absolutely honest. So I did what any good writer does when they don't know what to write, and they ma- I made a list. So my concept for this is it's if um, have you ever had looked in a guidebook or a, a, a tourist book about a country and they have little blocks of text within the text? Yeah, like a box out or a sidebar or... Yeah, a little little sidebar saying, uh, "Oh, here's some interesting things about this particular thing," and and yeah, so that's that's kind of my concept. It's a little box out in the Hitchhiker's Guide um, to give you a bit of amusement as you're flicking through. According to a joint statement. After the last Great Thinko Mind Summit, the greatest minds of the universe agreed that all sports are pointless and brutish, and their continued existence is one of the factors that holds all sentient life back from achieving spiritual and intellectual nirvana. Ski boxer, grav punch bastard Marrow Shower, current reigning heavyweight black diamond champion of the galaxy, points out that the greatest minds of the universe would think that, because they're exactly the sort of person that got picked last in PE at school. The guide would like to offer these two observations. Number one, Grav Punch Bastard Marrow Shower has remarkably astute cognitive skills for somebody who regularly gets punched in the head for a living. And two, 
Sport may well hold back all sentient life from achieving spiritual and intellectual nirvana, but at least it's not board games. Despite all the criticisms, sports around the universe are still massively popular. Each sport will have their own entry in the guide, but we offer this quick list of various sports, including the home world they're from, a brief description, and a likelihood out of 10 of how a hitchhiker novice will survive their first attempt. 10 being completely unhurt, and 0 being individual atoms burnt in searing pain for eternity. Zorping, Rickany 5. Zorping involves flinging small squid-like creatures onto the back of the opposing team. These Zorps have a mild hallucinogenic quality, which makes having one on your back akin to taking a driving test in a dream. A game of Zorping can break out at any time, and the opposing team is often defined by enough people walking past when a group of Zorpers are bored. Points are allocated not only for the amount of dream squids attached to a team's back, but also given creatively for the actions of players out of their minds on cephalopod drugs. Zorping, 4 out of 10. Stay away from sharp objects and tall buildings if not particularly nimble. Sleep racing. Hamb. Sleep racing is simple. The first person to achieve REM sleep is the winner. Hamb is known locally as the Pillow Planet for its entirely comfortable natural landscape, so it's no surprise this laconic pastime originated there. While at first appearing relatively easy for any species that does sleep, it actually becomes progressively more difficult the higher the stakes. Sleep race-induced anxiety has been known to cause an insomnia so bad that high-level participants don't sleep for the rest of their lives, which is about two weeks. Sleep racing, two out of ten, or eight out of ten, depending on how competitive you are. Trang, Trang World, TM. Trang, formerly Hurtle Ball, is a team game played with a small, completely frictionless cube, the Hurtle. Each player wears a set of hand scoops that can scoop the Hurtle in different directions. As the Hurtle is frictionless, each successive scoop adds velocity to the Hurtle. The object is to get the Hurtle through the opposing team's point gaps, also known as glory holes. It's a very fast-paced, exciting sport that generated a loyal fanbase very quickly. Unfortunately, the most popular team, Trang, became wealthy enough to buy the best players, best equipment and best marketing, which in turn got them more fans. Team Trang became so popular that eventually every fan of Hurtle Ball also dedicated themselves to Team Trang, to the point where not only was the manager of the team given sole responsibility of the governance of the planet, but they changed the name of the game and the planet to Trang. As there are no other teams, Trang has won the championship 300 years in a row, which only adds to their popularity. Trang, 2 out of 10. Despite the hurdle reaching fantastic speeds, modern innovations of the game make it relatively painless and safe to play. Of course, there's zero chance of getting off the planet alive, as literally the whole world will want to smash glassware into your face for opposing their beloved Trang. That was an allegory for uh, Liverpool in the late 80s, right? Uh, Manchester United in the mid-90s? Oh, I'm a little bit older than you. Celtic and Rangers as well. Like it, 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 was, it was very, very well observed, I thought. The killing people thing was definitely Celtic Rangers, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a massively outdated reference that everybody would be like, what a route one observation about football. Well, I didn't get it, so... Don't worry, it was a route one observation about football, mate. I thought he lumped it, it, uh, it up to the big guy at the top. The, the mechanics of... Um, What's now called Trang frightened me. Yeah, a little. I, I read that and I thought I'd actually quite like to play this. This sounds good. So it's definitely got a, a bit of a speedball edge to it. I like it. Mm. Speedball, yes. Speedball would count as a sport. Rollerball would count as a sport. Test mm-hmm. Race Two Thousand would not count as a sport. So you're not going to count Trang because it's a cube. Oh, yeah, okay. it's not round. Yeah. Um, I I did. Uh, well, so Zorps are they are they round? Oh, Zorp. No, they're they're they're, they're small little. Jellyfish type thing. Ah, uh, okay. So they they the wouldn't be sufficiently spherical. I mean, they're probably circular, but I I doubt whether they're spherical. Yeah, that's fair enough. I appreciate, and it's very of the style that um, a game of zorping could just happen, and then now now you're in a game of zorping. There are there are times right in these entries that I am kind. You you do kind of like that's been said already. Surely, like it's it's so of in the style. Yeah. 
It, I mean, it, it's a, it's a it reminded me of the finger gun battles in space. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and I love it. For, I love it for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, then, but wherever the leopard's political correspondent, John Bounds talks corruption in sport. Oh, oh this is me. Um, so I'd like to point out that at this uh, juncture that this was the bit where I was, I was going to do an entry that was. It was going to be amazing, wasn't it, John? Well, it, it was. Yeah, it was going to be good. It was going to encompass all sport, as um, <laughs> as Tony Hancock used to say when he was writing his new stand-ups. He was going to write a thing that starts from the uh, encompasses everything from the first plop to the final plop. <laughs> and um, I realised I couldn't do it because um, essentially the, every, it's, it's all gone and it? everything's been spoiled. <laughs> Today's football, which is the only sport as we've established, um, today's football is is rubbish. Modern football is gone. Uh, the grass is too green. The players are too fit and hairy or bald, depending on their. Um, none of them are in between. I think is what I'm saying. You used to get players that had a bit of hair, but not that much. Now they've got lots of hair or no hair, and I think is that that sort of hinterland of not having that much hair was very important to us. Am I right in saying that you'd prefer semi-professional football players, football players that were also butchers or like... Oh, no, you can, you can, I do prefer that, but you can, you can go and watch that. That's not the problem. That is real football, but that's kind of spoiled by the idea that there are players who are much better. (laughs) If the butchers and the bakers and the candlestick makers were the, (laughs) were the top, that the best that there was, that would be excellent because you've got to have that thing where you look it up um, at the stars rather than down into the fat filled gutter. <laughs> but, any, but anyway, so yeah, football's been spoiled. Sport henceforth has been spoiled. Um, and it's been spoiled by corrupt sporting administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, hence my guide entry. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has a lot to say about sport the types, their rules, their cultural history, and minor wars caused by their types, rules, cultural history, and corrupt administrators. Sporting administrators are the creatures who have, if not solved the problem of the movement of those small pieces of green paper, at least put a lot of thought into it. The small pieces of green paper should have one final move, they decided, into a brown envelope and under the door of a toilet cubicle into their hands. The most corrupt sporting administrators in the galaxy are to be found on the small planet of Earth in the sector Plural Z Alpha. The most corrupt sporting admins on Earth are those that are attracted to the sport that needs almost no money to play. To play association football, all that's needed are some people and something to serve as a ball. Originally this was an enemy's severed head according to some historians, but it was difficult to trap and synthetic versions were created. Compare that with million-pound Formula One cars, gridiron, which needs a hundred fat guys called Kyle dressed as Robocop, or cricket, which needs two bats of willow, a ball of leather, and the might of a 19th century global empire to indoctrinate anyone to play you at it. But a planet-wide sport needs administration, and administering planet-wide sport provides ample opportunities for cooking the books. The hottest and best cooked books two hours at Gasmark 7, basted and turned in fine wines by the world's most expensive chefs, were definitely those resulting in the awarding of the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. So elegantly roasted were these books that they left the cuisine at the restaurant at the end of the universe looking like a McDonald's hamburger after it's been through the digestive system of a particularly unpicky carbon-based life form. Equally cooked were more than 30 workers who have died so far in extreme heat, building the stadiums that Qatar doesn't have due to not really being the sort of place that football is played, maybe due to the average temperature outside in the summer when a World Cup goes on being around 50 degrees Celsius. Making it even more difficult to fill these stadiums are rumours that Qatar will introduce medical screening tests to detect and ban homosexuals from entering the country. These medical tests are a step on from the more usual multiple-choice exam on songs from The Wizard of Oz. Maybe the migrant workers who are employed to build these large air-conditioned white elephants may stay on to cheer. After all, they're not allowed to change jobs or leave the country without permission from their employers and are allowed to live only in labour camps with unsanitary and dilapidated conditions, amounting to what the International Labour Organisation has described as modern-day slavery. 
The football press say there are hopes for a Bosman ruling for workers, allowing them to move for big money at the end of their contracts to another unsafe construction site. The Swiss and French corruption police, who for clarity the guide points out are police looking at corruption rather than the more usual other way round, know about the movements of around 100 million of those small green pieces of paper so far, but there are many more toilet doors to look under. Despite all that, the World Cup in Qatar is still likely to go ahead in two years' time, sparking football fever, sparking another totally whitewashed set of media coverage about how good the host country is, and a spike in the sales of buff manila envelopes. The sponsors may yet unveil a new ball. That'll confuse goalkeepers by moving in the air. The head of the man who was in charge when the cup was awarded, FIFA president Sepp Blatter. So my Facebook memories recently reminded me, John, that it was the World Cup in, in Russia um, two years two years ago now. And um, hearing what you had to say, I, I felt a little pang of guilt because I remember being angry about the World Cup being in Russia. And then I remember really enjoying the World Cup 2018. It was excellent. In a number of ways. It was an excellent, it was an excellent World Cup. The process of them being awarded the World Cup um, and, and, and the state and the condition that that country was in at that particular time and still is and, and has been for a long time filled me with absolute loathing for the machinery of football and money. Um, but God, it was great football. And I had some lovely times. The, I think the, the the eternal battle for football soul is part of the reason for football being incredibly fascinating, at least. So Jimmy Hill, God rest his chin and soul, um, <laughs> when he was the leader of the Players' Union, when, when, for, for readers or listeners who don't remember Jimmy Hill, Jimmy Hill is most remembered in modern-day circles for being a – slightly weird television pundit or commentator that yeah. you would not be surprised if they had to have their hard drives checked at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, quirky views, bow ties, um, <laughs> willingness to, uh, you know, engage in all sorts of stunts. But Jimmy Hill was a fascinating... Fascinating. You were, and I have no evidence of that. And no, 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 no. A lot no. of time for Jimmy Hill. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, um, because... Wouldn't most people know Jimmy Hill from the childhood um, taunt when somebody's lying? Well, uh-huh. yes, of course. That's how I'd know Jimmy, Jimmy Hill. Um, when when we were younger, um, if you didn't believe someone, you'd stroke your chin um, mm-hmm. as if to go, hmm, really, how interesting. Of course, that developed in the playground to things with bigger chins. So some people would go, hmm, Tutankhamun, or <laughs> <laughs> the most popular being Jimmy Hill. Um, Jimmy Reckon. Yeah. And Jimmy, it, Jimmy it, Reckon, it, Chinny Reckon. It, it, it um, into Jimmy Reckon and then Chinny Reckon. Thing is, Danny, you'll be, you'll be surprised to hear that John's about to make a leap to socialism. So... <laughs> I mean, you're, none of you are stroking your chins at that, surely. <laughs> stroking something. It's now time for John's leap to socialism. <laughs> it's, the great, it's the great leap forward. It's a cultural revolution. It needs a sound effect or a jingle. <laughs> I was just going to point out that Jimmy Hill was the, lead, it was the leader of the Players' Union when they abolished the maximum wage. And he's um, landed it. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you love to see it. It's just he's put in an absolute banger of a show there. <laughs> he really did bring it straight, straight to socialism. No messing around. <laughs> Boom. Eat my marks. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have a. I don't have a socialist point. And for large periods of time, one in the in the the past, one has to imagine that the PFA, the Professional Football Association, was one of those. Um, uh, unions that might well have been more right wing than its own than than the bosses, but so you're you're saying you're you, you don't have a focus point. Does that make you the current Labour Party? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a confusing thing where the sand shifts under your under people's feet because um, you know when people say, "Oh, you like the Labour Party? You must have had you you you're responsible for the war in Iraq," and you go. Yeah, I'm in the Labour Party, but I didn't support that. In fact, we really hated it. And then at the moment, people can go, ah, you're in the Labour Party. That Keir Stamby's a bit of a dick. And then you can go, yeah, 
<laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say about Jimmy Hill, but um, he, but he, yeah, he's he was he was a phenomenal man. He um, he had some great innovations. He once um, pushed for the idea that you could move the uh, offside to uh, another line halfway down the pitch. So um, you can to that. I'm not. I should have done the halfway. Should have done the offside rule, shouldn't I? For the oh, guy, God. oh no. But, um, As got um, a, a salt and pepper set. <laughs> well, I, I, I've never salt and pepper did a song explaining the offside rule. Wow! Not <laughs> <laughs> push it was really about spinder. Yeah, push it forward only when more than two players, including the goalkeeper, are between you and the goal. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's about. Spinderella cut it up one time, and then it unfortunately bounced behind her. But you can only be offside if your ball's played forward. I was, I'm famously anti-football, and I've worked in a number of uh, men's pubs uh, where they all like football to the point where they, I think, they're trying to prove something. <laughs> um, and somebody derisively, where they're standing at the bar, and said, um, "I bet he doesn't even know the offside rule." And uh, I, I just left it and just gave him a look. And then a little bit later on, he tried to be served. And every time he tried to be served, I went, there's two people in front of you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's my turn now. And if you're surprised that a snarky, overweight podcasting professional didn't have a great time doing um, PE at school, then um, I have a rather beautiful bridge that I'd like to sell you. Uh, take it away, post-production. <laughs> Physical education is a now largely outmoded practice among the more civilised sectors of the galaxy. However, its roots are ancient and widespreading, and in order to understand their impact, it's first necessary to understand their purpose. A universal truth among organic life is the apparent necessity to personify aspects of life that can't easily be explained. Some carbon-based life forms use the term Mother Nature to describe aspects of the evolutionary process that makes guesses as to how long a given limb should be, its correct shape, whether the position and number of eyes is appropriate, or how much hair should cover the subject's reproductive organs. These guesses then determine either an individual's ability to get someone to have sex with them, or their ability to outrun their planet's particular apex predator. There comes a point in the development of a civilization at which a section of society will deem that Mother Nature has had her turn and it's now time for someone else to have a go at evaluating which members of society should be allowed to procreate and which should stick to writing poetry. These people go by many names across the galaxy, but their modi operandi remain the same, determining those who will procreate, those who will outrun, for example, an Arctur and Mega Tiger, and those who will write poems about longing to be in the second group or having sex with someone in the first. This cruel form of social segregation is known in some of the more obscure parts of the western spiral arm of the galaxy as physical education. The second word is obviously a joke, given that subjects who are not able to outrun the mega tiger on their first attempt will not live to retake the exam. One such physical educator was Brock the Swollen, deputy god of the planet Groin Strain 11, in the years minus 10 to the power of 4 to 11 to the power of 9. Even given the now impossibly frayed nature of the timeline, this is still considered from all viewpoints to be the most ancient of history. However, Brock's teachings have survived in galactic race memory for eons, or as most chronological scholars would have it, a whole bunch of time. Each year or so it was said, Brock the Swollen would tour the towns and villages of Groin Strain 11, demanding his subjects demonstrate their fealty to him, in a ritual most found too traumatising to describe. Two tributes were picked from the village, who would then take it in turns to select members of their friends or family to fight in their name. After an arbitrary amount of selections were made, Brock would blow his mighty whistle, and the two opposing teams would fight to the death, or until the hour was up and they were ordered to have a shower. Incidentally, those few subjects who were able to satisfactorily recount the traumatic experience of the trial were heralded as great speakers and would go on to make a killing by addressing their townships regularly and explaining what the deal was with a variety of common experiences. History doesn't recall what happened to those that were not picked to participate in the sacrificial games. Presumably history didn't think much of them and probably didn't even read any of their poems. During the height of his reign, Brock's influence even crossed into clothing. 
According to the ancient hieroglyphs, Brock pioneered the combination of a crisp white shirt, a wide neck tie, a whistle on a chain, and a suit made of highly flammable nylon in colours that made the wearer look like a stained glass window with legs. Scholars have long since posited that Brock's teachings have survived in the subconsciousness of beings far away from the star system of groin strain and have gathered staggering amounts of research indicating that low-level sacrifices to the deputy god are still made to this day. At any one time in the galaxy, says one of the more popular papers on the subject, a being still in its adolescence will run in endless circles dressed only in its undermost of garments. In this way, this being pays homage to Brock the Swollen and to Mother Nature, hoping to be spared the final brutal judgment, or at least be given the chance to find a rhyme for tracksuit. So these people who survived the trials, they basically, they're on like the sort of Butlin's circuit, <laughs> the gay cabaret circuit, just, just doing appearances as them. Yeah. Just going, you know me from the thing. You may remember me from such trials as, ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and you know, they, they, they've they've just got a wry eye on the, uh, you know, they, they see things with a sideways glance, John. Oh, and maybe they've got their own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever the groin strain equivalent of a podcast is. It's this one. It's- <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing thing in the in the real world at the moment called um, called Oak Academy. I don't know if you, you probably haven't all heard of it, but it's this it's this it's this made up school that exists for the lockdown for the Corona time. Oh yes, I have. Yes, and um, they've basically got like real teachers doing like internet lessons, and kids from all around the country are going, and it's it's very very. It's very strange because it's like they have an assembly and all this stuff, so it's almost like a school, but it's not a real school. And I just wonder if like the, the 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 people who are doing the classes on this are going to be be doing that sort of thing in in ten years' time. They're going to be they're going to be turning up, going, "Hey, you remember me from when you were a kid in the Rona time? I taught you maths." Oh, like like the like a student union gig. Yeah, like a Big Brother contestant coming to the student yeah. union, exactly like that. It'll be them and Pat Sharp, or whoever the equivalent of Pat Sharp is now. Yeah. That's right, and they'll, they'll, uh, and they'll do. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll do a quiz and um everyone will come in their old school ties <laughs> if they're lucky the ideal thing would have been really to um embrace a sort of postcode lottery of uh schoolie and not in any way audition the teachers just pick a random teacher from a random school around the country out of the hat and you might en- and you might end up with some like crusty old guy with a a, a, a tobacco stained moustache the sort of latin master used to pick you up by the back of the hair on the on, <laughs> on the back of your neck if you couldn't conjugate your verbs properly uh, so if, listeners uh if you didn't know john went to school in the um in victorian times <laughs> <laughs> yeah for some reason then john i thought you were heading towards the the teachers engaging in some sort of ritual combat like they were all like <laughs> as tributes for their regions oh, well, i mean that, that i mean we, that's the what we're all engaging in at the moment isn't it a sort of um know, nervous system uh, in, uh, uh trial by combat and we'll see who's left at the end oh god there was this one um cross country where we basically ran around the block and the block it the block is massive. It, it, on the grounds of the block is Rayside Mental Institution for the, you know, the literally criminally insane. Cool. It's called the Annex, right? And we'd, we'd cut across the grounds if we had read cross country. This is like in Back to the Future too, when the, there's a there's a toxic chemical factory in the middle of town. What is happening in Northfield? It's, it's in Brewbury, and this is all fucking true. <laughs> Um, and we'd cut across the grounds <laughs> if we have red cross country. And I decided I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to. I'll walk around the block, right? So I came in dead last along with someone else that I didn't even get on with, but he recognised what I was doing and saw her as a pioneer and went, fucking fair play, definitely. So we come in last. Um, and he, like, the, this nonce is furious at us because he's discovered the flaw in his plan. Mm-hmm. He literally can't make us do anything. So what he made us do was run around the block, uh, run around the playground during playtime. So we didn't get a playtime. We had to continuously run around the playground Oof. while everybody was playing. Like so, using shame as a punishment. Yeah, great teaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the PE teacher's way. And then we ref- we refused to do that, and then he just just 
so angry he didn't know what to do. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh, this isn't how things normally go down. <laughs> I've used every hour in my quiver. I don't know what. <laughs> I can't believe people were making the wrong. What can uh, I do? <laughs> what have I got? Nothing. You're in a different place now. Go on, please. <laughs> Please run for me. It's like a wily coyote plan with like levers and ropes attached to our limbs, like spring <laughs> up in his brain. No, that we can't do that. I, I recently uncovered a, a story about myself that I that I'd forgotten, and I needed to do some. Um, I needed to do some. I needed to do some research on, on it, and it involves cross country as well. And th- this is that uh, my school had a cross country, which was a couple of miles every year, and I was never. I, I never shone in it. Um, and I was going through some things recently as I was clearing the loft and I found a certificate and I've just found a picture of it on my phone. It says cross country 1996. So this would have been the autumn of my upper six year. Right. So I'm 17 at the moment. Cross country 1996 event, senior cross country winner, North house. That's my house. And then my name is there. My name is there, right. On the certificate. But it's written in my own handwriting. Oh. And it's written above the name of my friend Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And his name is crossed out. So it says winner, North House, P.M. Woolbridge, crossed out, J.J. Hickman, and then it's signed by John Dalton, the principal. And I messaged Paul and I went, what's this about, Paul? Why have I got your certificate crossed out? And he said, well, hang on, I've, I've got my certificate. What we what we realised was was that I, there was basically I was getting fitter towards the end of school and everyone else was starting to smoke and drink and they got less fit. So I was in the I was in the six people who placed for my house and we won the tournament, right? But the teachers obviously just couldn't quite deal with it, so they gave Paul two certificates and didn't give me one. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave it to me. I had to make my own name go on it. <laughs> by writing my own name with my own hand using my own words <laughs> we had um, we had cross country um in, when i was in it um apart from one thing I, the, the, uh, we've got certificates as well and i've got a certificate for getting my sports colors i don't know if any of you had that oh hello grammar school boy what is that? What what is having your sports? Well, I don't. Let's be. You do good honest. enough, and then they give you a badge. Yeah, I didn't get a badge. Got a sort of A five certificate thing. We we were we were a grammar school, but we wasn't we weren't a rich one. <laughs> but um, we had, my school was in Aston Park in Birmingham. Um, Aston Park in the shadow of um, Aston Villa's ground. So Eddie's there. Yeah, yeah, and um, the uh, the cross country run was round the park, but I remember. The uh, on the cross country run day, the the chip van that normally came to uh, tempt young lads away from the, let's face it, other chips that were inside the school building <laughs> <laughs> that was significantly cheaper. Um, um, that's that's poly- I don't ever never really understood that. Don't go. Oh no, it's unhelpful. Don't go. No, it's unhealthy. Don't go to the chip van. You're literally selling chips for lunch anyway um but <laughs> the chipman delayed it used to delay its visit on cross country day till the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> so it, like but it parked as far as i can work out about 600 yards before the finish line <laughs> so i've got no idea how many of the sort of 30 or 90 boys crossed the line <laughs> carrying a portion of chips <laughs> well finally uh, we turn to uh, the young striker of the outfit Mr. Hickman, what have you got for us? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> this this came about from thinking about the World Cups recently, and like when you have when you have the World Cup, it's a it's, it is a it is a feast of football. That's there's a mm-hmm. lot of football happening mm-hmm. until there isn't anymore, and that's that's yeah, weird. Got, like it's just cold turkey, isn't it? It's just like straight bam, you get no football. Oh no, no, it's worse than that, Mark. There's a there's a few methadone weeks, so you have you have like two or three games a day. And then you get into the late stages and there's like one game every two or three days. Ooh. And then there's a whole week and then there's a final and then there's no football. And, and then finished. there's baby calling on the ceiling and it's just the whole thing. And then it's, yeah, no yeah, long- yeah, yeah. and then it's no longer acceptable to go to Broad Street at five, six o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yes. Well, so that's a dimension of it as well. Is that I was thinking about like um, 
the different World Cups in in different countries and and how you you have to consume football at these different times of the day, and then the the Rona happened. I don't know if you've heard about that. That's been happening, mm. and and uh, and football's football's back, and now there's now there's just like so much football it hurts your face. There's just it's just it's everywhere, but it's weird different football, and it's 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 very it's very odd. The big, yeah. the big thing about the, the the end of the World Cup is you've got to understand that exactly the, the day after the final is what we refer to as racist 12th night. And you have to take down all England flags. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's not well, it's not unlucky for you. It is unlucky for uh, any people who, are, who aren't, don't uh, pass for white. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with time anymore. Um, I, I just realised that there were some FA Cup games today, and it's like, well, what are we doing? It's nearly July. Like the football scene starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is the law, and it's not finished. It's. Even even if there was a World Cup on, we'd be near the end of that. And they're they're talking about finishing the league and then doing some European stuff. And so what I'm saying is, is this this piece comes from this mess that we find ourselves in. In many of the unfashionable parts of the universe, travellers are advised to acquaint themselves with scheduling traditions of local sports. Here are some key reasons. Firstly, on a given sports game day, the travel routes in the vicinity of the sports game will be very congested. Secondly, and more importantly, so are the local pubs. One of the issues with most of the popular spectator sports games is that they're played in a venue which was built in exactly the right place at the time they were built, which ironically is now exactly the wrong place, which makes travel in the area very difficult on game day. This is a universal constant, so much so that it follows that any place that looks like the right place to build a venue for a sports game is actually the wrong place to build a venue for a sports game. This was first pointed out by the tirelessly logical planning department of Beth Selimin, who refused every application by the Euphoria Bottle Rockets to build a trinasium for the purpose of playing Zokund Traggle Ball, forcing the team to ground share with the racing Asgoths of Joltras 3, some 500 light years away. A classic time for sports to be played was dictated by when the working people were able to go to the sports venues, and so strong traditions exist as to when the right time is for sports to be played. For the Mohaclations, the game of Zirkelbork would traditionally begin in the third phase of the tricentennial blood moon of Centraginus V, whilst the working classes of Dangrabad Beta will insist that the proper Zarkov time at the Squindock should be at the 6,000th beat of the heart cycle of the giant sandworm of Ukrara, which is just before tea time on everybody's day off. For most sports, this platonic idea of the right time to play sports broke down because the sports game team owners and governing bodies were told, by people who do something called brand, that they should look to expand something called their franchise. Whilst the owners and governors didn't really understand what brand and franchise were, they saw that it was a leading indicator of something called money, which they did very much understand. In order to make sports games available across whole planets, the start times for sports games changed. The sports game happened in the middle of the night. Sports were for before breakfast. And sports were now very seldom just after you got paid and finished work. As this began to play out across galaxies, sports franchises needed more and more complex ways to set the time for sports. What is the best time to play Brockian Ultra Cricket when fans need to watch during not just different times of the day but also different epochs? How do you fit in a game of Zorping so that it's just after lunch for some fans but before the heat death of the local star for others? The Galactic Sports Federations came together and agreed that the time for sports had, commercially, to become a singularity. Then and only then could all fans experience sport at the right time for sports. The sports singularity means that all sports are always happening at all times and they can only be subjectively enjoyed by individuals during a moment of observation. This unfortunately ended a popular time travel idea about betting on the sports and always winning because whilst theoretically the results for the sports were known, they could not truly be known unless observed. The sports singularity presented two interesting additional benefits. It was briefly suggested that, as essentially sports was a pocket universe that connected all points and places in time simultaneously, the sports singularity could be used as a new form of faster-than-light travel. 
However, the sports franchise owners blocked this because they were making good money on coach trips to away games. Additionally, this presented an opportunity for very expensive sports bars to pop up where one could go with friends to enjoy the sports game along with a beautifully curated pan-galactic gargle blaster. The owners of Milliways, the restaurant at the end of the universe, were uniquely set up to capitalise on this as they already knew how to serve food and wine in a time bubble. Unfortunately, their chain of Millisports cafes collapsed almost immediately due to a terrible and unforeseen paradox. No groups could enter the building to enjoy the sports games because, in a bar in which all points of space and time and indeed every possibility of the multiverse existed simultaneously, in one of the infinite realities connected to the bar, one of the lads in the group was wearing trainers. I want to give uh, I want to give uh, Hiko two awards. Thank you. One for, for the the most the most accurate use of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy voice. Oh, I think you really nailed Adams there. Thanks, man. And second, the most use of the title of our of our podcast in the actual writing itself. Sports. I've never, I've never heard the word sports said so many times. I SEO the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonders for our transcript. I would be interested to see what the the Milliways franchise because they've got the Big Bang Burger Chef. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I, I assumed the reason that the franchise would have failed is that I guess. In all different time streams, in I mean, we actually we don't know whether the restaurant at the end of the universe exists in one time stream or many, but I guess the universe is going to end in all of them. Mm-hmm. But in in the sort of multiverse theory, mm-hmm. there are surely m- so many different outcomes. You know, not just which team won, but who scored first, who got sent off, who got the red card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether Ray Winston's giant head appeared in <laughs> three or not. <laughs> How many caplopods got stuck to someone's back? Absolutely. Who um, box the best? Then it, it makes so so. It, it's got to be really tricky to if you're going to travel to one of these milli sports bars. You've really got to check that you're traveling in the correct time stream and you don't accidentally jump into a different lane uh, into a reality where your particular sports game uh, team didn't w- win. I've lost. I've lost track of my sentence, but you know where I'm. I've got. I've got a real world example of this. Oh, the uh, some time ago, I was in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, for a wedding actually. But we were there for a whole week, so a few days before the wedding, um, it was the guy stag do, and uh, we we went we went out about I don't know, eight o'clock at night. We did things you do in Las Vegas, like you know, not really understanding how any of the games worked, uh, things like that, but. Goes what happens in Las Vegas is you stay in Las Vegas. Well, well, we, oh, this was the problem. I didn't stay in Las Vegas because we got oh, no. further and further down the night, and more and more of the party drifted off to their hotel rooms until there were two of us left. And it was about six in the morning, and we were deciding whether or not to go and have another beer. Uh, but this being American beer, I mean, it was you may as well have had a drink at a water fountain, but we're we're going to as well have another beer. Um, so, but then we thought it's six in the morning in Las Vegas. Mm. That means it was a Friday night. That meant in America, sort of six, sort of seven. Anyway, we worked out because we were clever. And despite them not having clocks in casinos, we'd got watches mm. that we worked out that it was about time for the English football to kick off. Yeah. Ah, it was three or five or twelve or two. Yeah, or what? Well, it, this was like three o'clock Saturday <laughs> afternoon. This was like three o'clock Saturday afternoon. We football o'clock. So we we got into a taxi and they said, take us to an English bar, please, where they'll be sharing the football. They took us to an English bar. It was miles out in the desert. They took us to this (laughs) English bar. (laughs) So we went in and we sat there and we thought, oh, all this will be good. All the English will be here. They'll all be drunk. It'll be quite a lot of fun. Doing all the English things. Yeah, yeah. We sat sat there. Eating a black pudding. Got some of those those, uh, English beers that um, American people only dream of, like Carlin Black Label or Carlin or... Castlemaine Four X or Fosters or something. Um, we've got one of those beers, Estrella, uh, uh, Heineken, Amstel, something like that. All Sam, the Sam Miguel, Snoll, a Corona, All something like stuff. that. We've got one of those English beers. Can't drink Corona anymore. Uh, and we, we and we sat there and we, we were watching this game for about twenty minutes, and the bar was pretty empty. Mm-hmm. So I turned to this lad, 
Paul. Didn't know him very well. Lovely lad. But I said, Paul, it's an international week, isn't it, mate? There aren't any games on. What are we watching? <laughs> oh, no. And they, the bar had, for some reason, decided to stay open at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they were playing a repeat of a Queen's Park Rangers versus Burnley game <laughs> from about two weeks ago. And we'd been watching As Live, and it was not a good game. <laughs> <laughs> So I, 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 I'd had enough at that point. So I left the bar, and I'm in the middle of the desert. Uh, so it's uh, about seven o'clock in the morning. No idea really where I am, but not enough sense to go back in the bar and get a taxi. So I started walking down this road, thinking, oh, that's Vegas is over there somewhere. I'll get a mini cab, it'll come past. It'll be all right. Well, funny, I'd I, I walked for about 20 minutes, and this van, this sort of pickup, a big American style pickup, stopped. And he, he opened this door and he said, You're right, boy. And I said, yeah. Oh. And he said, he said, are you English? I'm not doing the accent anymore. He said, are you English? And I said, yeah. And he said, I thought so. He said, there's no football on today. Is and I said, no. He said, do you want to lift back to the strip? And I said, yes, please. And then he said, so this happens quite a lot. And he played me some Led Zeppelin records and then dropped me back off at the hotel. Lovely lad. What a nice man. Did you take the other lad with you? <laughs> no, I left him in there. Oh, God. As far as I know, he's still watching QPR Burnley from... Three weeks ago. And that just about wraps it up for the leopard. Thank you very much for listening. And you may have noticed that I'm in slightly better quality now. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, we've got another episode coming up, which will hopefully have better quality. We've recorded it. I haven't listened to it yet. Um, but I'm recording this bit in post, which gives me the opportunity to profusely thank Emma Wright, uh, also known as Editorial Girl, for uh, recording, for, for being our guide voice. We are indebted to uh, to Emma for uh, reading our nonsense. Um, and Speaking of said nonsense, there will be more of it uh, in about four weeks' time when our topic will be back to school. So uh, until then, if you want to get in touch, feedback at btlpodcast.com is the email address and you can find the show and all the show notes and other ways to get in touch at btlpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening and until next time, share and enjoy. Imagine if the groom took a load of drugs and then fucked off. The best man shouldn't do that. The best man should not do it. Well, I thought you wouldn't hand someone just a few drugs, would you? You'd hand them the appropriate amount of drugs to have. Here, here, are, here is one portion of drugs. Uh, yeah. Portion out the drugs in their hand and go, here is here is a small amount of drugs. Take all of that. If you go to the chip shop, they don't give you all the chips. <laughs>